they have have nothing to do with me right right why why should i be concerned with that yeah and he told me how he hated them well he accused his brother-in-law of being gay <sighs> i mean this guy married your sister has children and and then you swear and then one day he pulled out a picture uh-huh of his brother-in-law mm. so look at this guy this guy's a faggot sounds like he had a like, crush on him i'm like whoa uh, like this is the you're not walking with a picture of this man in your wallet unrequited love yeah and then one day he was talking to my girlfriend at that time in the 70s and he said he slipped and he said my old man <laughs> yeah like what did you say yeah what did you say and it's Covenant people are the most bigoted people. Absolutely. It's like all those politicians who pass like anti gay legislation I mean, and then at, are look caught. Look at the Republicans yes. in the society oh, yeah. that, that have been busted. The other yep. one that he knew the gay bathroom code with the foot yep, signal. Yeah, Larry Crick. How did you know that, Grasshopper? Yep. <laughs> Grasshopper, how did you come in touch with these, yeah. these secret yeah. signals yeah. that you are busted? And it isn't, it, what is ironic is a lot of the. the the majority of them are Republicans that vote against, against yeah, yeah. gay people. And I feel they, like, the staunchest, yeah. the staunchest anti-gay yeah. people are gay people. Yeah. And it's <laughs> one thing, yeah. And it's one, absolutely, it's like one thing to be like struggling with your sexuality because I do right. feel like it's fluid in our so, in the American culture. Like it's very stigmatized. We're very backwards when it comes to like sexuality and nudity. Right. And so I recognize that. One, it takes time for folks to come to terms with it. However, when someone is outwardly being homophobic and passing legislation that harms people, that's when I feel like people should be called out on it. Exactly. If, if you're like, you want to be question. open about it, that's one thing. But if you're actively saying that someone else cannot do it, that's a problem. Yeah, there is, there is no question about that. And that is that persecution by any other name is still persecution. Yeah. Why do you need... I, I, I've never understood this. Why do you need... To ostracize people and degrade them because they don't believe or act and do what you think they should be. Yeah. My personal philosophy is um, why can't just people be? Exactly. You know, they are law abiding citizens, pay their taxes just like you. Yeah. And if why they don't pay are their you taxes. in their bedrooms? Yeah. I have my philosophy is that I am not in anybody's bedroom. Yeah. You know, there are some people that think that they can cure gay people. I mean, we talk, I, mean, I saw your, your, oh, your yeah. email yeah, about yeah. Umar Johnson. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I am, I am a great proponent of Umar Johnson. He says a but, lot of good things, and then also a lot of things He says a lot of great problematic things. Problematic things, yeah. I mean, he, he talks about Marcus Garvey and his, his movement and what he does is based in the teachings of Marcus Garvey. I am a descendant of Marcus Garvey. Um, I go around the world and the United States talking about Marcus Garvey. Yeah. And 
Well, Umar thinks it's a psychology. Umar thinks most psychologists are are optimists, and Umar thinks that he can he can change people that were gay. Yeah. And he know the cause of gayness. Yeah. I don't know what makes a person gay. That's just me. Yeah. I never studied psychology, but I read psychology. He thinks that he can reprogram people that are gay. I said, you have millions of people. You're going to reprogram. Who don't need to be reprogrammed at all. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's offensive, too. It it is very offensive. Yeah. You know, I don't like your lifestyle, so I can reprogram you to what I think should be your norm. Yeah. But that is wrong. It is wrong on many levels. And on the first level is that you don't have the right. Yeah, yeah. You do not have the right to tell someone what they should be. Right, right. What they should be. I am a black nationalist. Most black nationalists, from what I've heard and from what they've told me, is that most of them are, they said, are homophobic. Hmm. I don't consider myself a homophobic. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a lot of gay people in my family. Yeah. <laughs> they love me. Yeah. <laughs> they love me for who I am. Right. I don't judge them for their lifestyle or whatever practice they do. Yeah. Because it is not my business. My yeah. my philosophy and where I draw the line is that it is not my business. Why are you in everybody? Why are you in people's bedrooms? Yep. I mean, my question question is this. Why are you in people's bedroom? Yeah. I am not in anybody's bedroom. Yeah. I'm in my bedroom, and I know what I like. Right, right, right. (laughs) You know, I know what I like and what I do. But this should not be a concern. Exactly. You know, where I disagree with Homer is that... Why is this a concern? Mm-hmm. What are you concerned with other people's bedroom gymnastics? Yeah. Other people's bedroom gymnastics and who they do it with should not be a factor. It should never be a factor. Of course. So we should, we, what we should do, we should, we should look at things from a critical point. And the critical point in this in this venue should be it should be who do you love mm-hmm. who do you love who do you love not that I am doctor da 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 yeah. and I can cure you Yeah, I can cure you because I feel that with my psychological training in, in, in the institution that I will reconstruct who you are and tell you who you should be. Yeah. And yeah. that's where I draw the line with Umar. I draw the line with Umar when he attempts to reconstruct people's lives. Yes, yes. You do not have that authority. Nope. You know, you've you've become you become a demagogue, basically. You 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 become the god. Yeah. The god of humanism. Mm. And no who elected you the god of humanism? Right, right. No one elected you God of humans. Yeah. And that is, that's where I stand. I, I, I know we kind of got off the, the initial subject yeah. of what I came here for, but then it's all relevant. It's all connected. It, it, yeah, it's, it's all connected. People telling other people how to be that, and how to live their lives. You, you cannot suppress. I'm here to talk about the plight of the people of West Papua. And... And these people are being suppressed. Mm-hmm. Suppression, by any other name, is still suppression. Yes, yeah. Sexuality, color, race, or what have you. Yeah, it's still suppression. I mean, you you, you go to Brazil, and 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 in, and in Brazil, Brazil is a color-coded mm-hmm. society. 
It's a color-coded caste system. Yeah. The darker you are, the lesser you are in the system. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, like these people in the program that I saw, you know, a lot of people think that Brazil is some kind of lazier fear for transgender. Brazil oh, no, it's at the very highest, highest rate. rate. Yeah, yeah, I have friends from Brazil who are murder Yeah. Of people that are yes. transgender. Yes. And not only transgender, but that are black. Mm-hmm. That are black in five years, they killed. How was that actual? They killed. Let me see. Five years in Brazil. Well, seventy-seven percent of the people killed in Brazil by the police are black, between the ages of seventeen and twenty-five. Wow. wow. Seventeen and thirty-five. This is what it is in Brazil. Yeah, it's not only gay people. Oh yeah, that they're doing in, they're doing in black people. Yeah, and when you start doing in black people, not only black people, but I am very concerned of people with that genocidal mentality. Mm-hmm. If you are not like me, I will kill you. Yes, Hitler had that same mentality. Yeah. Hitler put pink armbands on gay people. Yes, yeah. And then there was a community that lived, that were Africans that lived in Germany, about 40,000, and Hitler wiped them out, too. Mm. Because in World War I, the, the people in North Africa, there was a country, because of Somalia, they, they aligned with Germany. And they, there was a community of Germans, of, 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 of black Somalians in Germany that were wiped out mm. by Hitler. You know, and then gay people, they wipe them out. Yeah. So I am very concerned about people that exterminate people for whatever causes. Yes, yes. I am very concerned because if they wipe out the gays, what makes you think they won't wipe your black ass out too? Exactly. <laughs> well, it's what with makes like, you think that they yeah. wouldn't jail and exterminate you? Yes. Well, it's like with the you police You know, 77% of all the murders in Brazil, mm-hmm. you know, are black people. And they're like 52% of the population. Of the population. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about that. Yes. You know, if you lived in a country of 77% of the people that they killed were gay, you'd be very a concern. Yeah. So black people around the world should be concerned yes. about totalitarianism. Yes. And these regimes. Yes. And if and you're... these regimes. They want to turn one... They, they want to turn a segment of the society against, against the other, other. Instead of against them, right. That exactly. way they, they, instead of against them, they, so they, they have the we're power. We're going to pick the enemy. Right, right. We're going to pick the enemy and, and exterminate them based on what we think should be the norm, yeah. what our society should be, and that is wrong. Yeah. From a historical perspective, it is wrong. I have seen it, and it is totally Around how did they get away with this? People say, "Well, how did they get away with this?" You know, in in the thirties and the forties, how did Hitler That's... come to rise? How did Trump come to rise? Yes, yeah. How did he people looking for a scapegoat, a household nerve name yeah. based on what is bigotry and the media propping him up? And the media, they were behind it because they made money, make money off it. it. Yeah. He made money out of it. As if slavery existed not because of a hatred of black people, slavery existed because of the greed of money and profit. Mm. This is why slavery exists. And then it manifested itself into hatred. Yes. It became part of their psychology mm. eventually. Yeah. And it still exists. Yeah. And it still exists. You know, a lot of the people around the world don't know what's going on yeah in west papua yeah they don't and know they, they don't know because it's it, it, they don't even know where it is they don't even know that that the struggle even exists yes and until i met you i didn't know either well you know it's it's that we have to expose each other right right to truths around the world yeah see there is a world order of justice there is a world order of justice. There are yeah. people like you in Holland, in Germany, in South Africa, 
all over the world there are people exist that don't agree with what they want to tell you is the norm mm-hmm. you take america i mean six corporation own over 90 all the media yep. of all media it's ridiculous it's like ridiculous <laughs> you know, now so they tell people what they want them to believe right and what people don't they question want it. Want you to be, don't question us. Yeah. Anybody that that disagrees with us must be well. You, you it must be something wrong with you. Yeah. Oh, you must you must be gay. <laughs> you must be black. You stand on this page. Oh, you must be gay. You must be black. You must be everything that we don't like. Mm. You see, white supremacy is is real. Oh yeah, yeah. White supremacy is real. And then. I said in World War II, what you had is that the Fourth Reich defeated the Third Reich. Mm. <laughs> mm. You see, and, and is the is the Fourth Reich any better than the Third Reich? They have the same practices. Mm-hmm. I mean, you take the syphilis experiments, you know, that they did in this country for over forty years on yeah. black people. Yeah, you take that in the prisons, you know, and the prisons. Yeah. Were you over 65% of the prison and 12, 13% of the population? Right, right. 77% of the prisoners in, in Brazil are black people. Are black people. But people think that Brazil is this laser fear all except. Mm-hmm. See, this is the it goes myth. goes back to the idea with like Holland and this San Francisco. Yeah. It's the myth. Yeah. We're dealing with the myth. So Holland, sure, you can go into yeah. a cafe, sit down, buy some weed, and sit down and smoke, and it's cool. Yeah. So that's their social order. Right. But then their governmental agencies mm-hmm. deny people the right to express themselves by showing your flag. It is an offense mm-hmm. to them. <sighs> There is the government, and then there is people. I, I always draw the separation. I will not. I will not denounce the people. I don't see it as the people of Holland speaking. I see it as the government of Holland yes. speaking yeah. because they are behind. The only reason that what the Indonesians did exists is because the the government of Holland sanctions mm-hmm. these actions. I see. They sanctions these actions. Because there is an economic tie. Mm. Economic tie. And one of the economic ties is that there is gold mm-hmm. in West Papua. And this is why people are displaced and are subjugated to this genocidal practice mm-hmm. that is common and every day. Yeah. And it reminds me of just like with the U.S. going into the Middle East for oil. It's exactly. like the same thing. Going Have you ever and... noticed that they only attacked the countries that had oil? That's a weird coincidence. <laughs> Isn't that something? <laughs> hmm, that's Isn't odd. Isn't it ironic <laughs> that they attack people that have oil? You know, I don't know if you ever heard the um, the, the interview with, with, with um, Amy Goldman and, and uh, Wesley Clark. Oh no! I that is definitely. Please Google it. Okay. I tell people please Google it because you know what? Wesley Clark said before Obama was even elected. Yeah. Wesley Clark said that they were going to attack seven countries <sighs> in North Africa. He said this hmm. with Amy. Is it's a must see because it tells you that it said has nothing to do with Obama. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, most presidents are window dressings anyway. Yep. Oh yeah. You cannot yeah. become a was, president yes. unless you're part of the window dressing, yep. um, you, you know, mannequin, you know, lives. And Wilson Clark talks about these countries, and its words came to fruition. Please Google this. Mm-hmm. I advise anyone that's interested in what's going on in the world yeah. and U.S. foreign policy. Yeah. Is that Wesley Clark said this? Yes. Seven years ago. Yeah. Gaddafi, all these people, this was all programmed. Mm-hmm. Assad in Syria, this was all programmed. Yeah. We are looking at the international order of business yes. and exploitation. Yes. Is what we're looking at. So I have a question. How do we disrupt this 
international business by doing what we do now yeah (laughs) (laughs) we need we need to raise the consciousness of people yeah we need to raise the consciousness because is that at some point your consciousness was raised oh yeah and you became aware yeah by the same token we can do it to other people yes but another way yeah I like that that's how we do it yeah (laughs) like that that song said this is how we do it baby excellent (laughs) Well, well, thank you so much for, hey, for sharing. It, it this. was a pleasure to come here and to talk about what I saw. Yes, yes. What they're doing, what the people of West Papua are doing. Yes, and 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 how they wish to have their land and country back. Of course, it was a sovereign nation attacked in 1969, and the UN stood idle and did nothing. What does that tell you? Is that They're the complicit. Western powers, the powers that be, the people that sell you the weapons are the culprits in this society? Oh, yeah, that's my, my biggest. I, f- I feel like the idea that we live in a society where somehow selling weapons is legal yes. while other types yes. of work, and for instance, are the, not. Look, look at the countries that sell the weapons. Look the U.S. at the countries, the biggest. We're the really biggest good at that. We're number one. manufacturers in the world. Yeah. They want you to kill each other. Yeah. Please stop. Yeah. Well, no, there were protests in Oakland. They were like, because like some of the shipments were even leaving in the port of Oakland, and folks protested because yeah. it's like here, you know, right here in the Bay Area, that's where the weapons are being shipped from some yes, of the time. Is that we need to raise the consciousness level of people. In this society, yes, around the world, yes, and and like radio stations like this and TV station and free TV independent and free radio, yes, where people where people speak, people speak, and hopefully we can build a campaign against this monstrosity, yes, because it's not doing us any good, right. Hatred is not doing us any good. No, God, no. <laughs> it does the opposite. When the last time hatred ever did anything good? Never. That's why, you know what, if more people became conscious, yeah. in especially in this country, yes. we will replace every politician and we will elect people that we want. Mm. We should elect people that we want and we can only do this one way is that Killing them is not a solution. Right. Raising the consciousness of generations to come yes. is the solution. Yes. And that's 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 where I stand when it comes to liberation. Yeah. Liberate the, the mind. Yes. The rest will follow. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and then you. sharing. Thank, Thank you. you so much for coming in, Ronaldo. It's always a pleasure to come back. Yes. And please invite me back. Absolutely. All right. Great. We'll be playing some more uh, music here, and then uh, we'll be back with some more stories so stay tuned you're listening to mutiny radio uh here from san francisco and stay tuned and we'll be back with just a little bit more
welcome back to Weekly Review. Thanks again to Ronaldo Ricketts for coming in. Always uh, wonderful to talk to you and uh, have some lively discussion and talk about what's going on in the world and also just find the patterns, the, the global patterns of what's uh, happening. So a little bit of local news. Uh, there's an article in SF Weekly. I'll just give you the, the headline. Folks are welcome to read more about it. Uh, this was written by Chris Roberts. Uh, the real reason SF wants to ban tent encampments. And there's a lot about uh, media upsurge in uh, coverage of, of homeless folks. And there is also some skepticism as to how it would be covered because quite often the media doesn't necessarily um, play a really supportive or accurate role in what, what's happening. So Kelly Cutler from the Coalition on Homelessness uh, quotes from the article, uh, to homeless advocates, this is just one more anti-homeless law and coming onto the ballot in a presidential election year when homelessness is a big issue, a transparently cynical move. This is uh, dog whistle politics, says Bevan Dufty, the city's former homeless star. This is politicians saying, you have a right to be angry at homeless people. Uh, and the only solution is to have more police on the street. And uh, this was also similar to with Pride, the idea that uh, using the Orlando as a reason to increase police presence when many folks uh, believe that uh, the idea of having more police makes people feel less safe. Uh, another article uh, from globalpost.com, white Americans are the biggest terror threat in the United States. You can check that out on our Facebook page, and that's facebook.com slash weeklyrev. Um, as well as from Mike.com, what Baina El-Amin's assault case says about racism in the LGBTQ community. And this was a case of, um, there were, this happened in Chelsea, uh, I think last year or so, um, some drunk, uh, drunk white couple got into an argument with another man. The man uh, who happened to be black defended himself and then he was then arrested. And the way the media spun it was that he uh, was homophobic when he in fact was gay himself. And the way the, the press was kind of using this was to describe him uh, very unfairly, um, just this kind of describing him as, as a black homophobe uh, um, when in fact he himself was is, a, is gay and was just defending himself. So you can find this article at uh, mike.com and I recommend checking that out. So wanting to move along, uh, as I said before, there's just so much to get to. Uh, I always always just want to get to to so much and uh, it feels tricky trying to give equal time to everything, Um, but seeing as we have a limited amount of time here, I want to do my best to at least announce uh, and give t- and speak on all the different things that are happening, and again trying to find connections to all that uh, all that is happening. So I'll be getting to the Supreme Court decisions in a little bit, as well as the Brexit. Uh, and I've uh, have some friends in England who are commenting on it, and folks there are pretty heartbroken uh, by it. So uh, there was also, of course, the attack in Istanbul. Um, which which happened, and so I was going to just read a little bit um, about that as well. Oh, yes, uh, quite a bit, quite a bit is happening, and so um, I will read. Uh, there's a there's an article stories of some of the Istanbul airport attack uh, victims. And you can find this at uh, dailysabah.com, and that is uh, daily, S-A-B-A-H.com. And I'll read a little bit about this. Uh, On Tuesday, 44 people were killed, including 19 foreigners and 237 injured after three Daesh-linked suicide bombers attacked Istanbul's main Ataturk uh, Airport, one of the deadliest strikes to stun Turkey's most populated city. After the brutal attack on the civilians, the heartbreaking stories of the victims began to appear. They were young, old men and women. Uh, here are some of their stories. Palestinian officials say Sandos Sharim and her three-year-old son Rayan both succumbed to their wounds Thursday. The two were in Istanbul for a Ramadan vacation along with her husband who was injured. Turkish officials raised the death toll by one on Thursday. The discrepancy could not immediately be explained. Already listed as dead Wednesday was a family friend, Nizreen Melhim, 
28. She too was looking forward to a few days of vacation along with her husband and their three-year-old daughter. Belhim and her husband worked in Saudi Arabia and planned to relax in the city before flying home to Palestine for Ramadan. They were caught up in the terror attacks shortly after the family left to the arrivals terminal and was heading toward the taxi stand. We heard shooting from a distance, said Marvan, Nisreen's husband. The explosion went off. I found my wife bleeding and my daughter too. Nazreen died in a hospital shortly afterward, leaving her husband shocked and mourning. The ones who did this are brutal criminals, he said. How come they kill innocent people? Adam Kurt, 32, never forgot his parents and other relatives. Even though he had moved to Istanbul to work at the Atatürk International Airport, he made it a point to visit his family in the northwestern province of Bursa every weekend. He had worked at the airport as part of supervisory staff for nearly two years before the attacks had, that claimed his life, cutting short reported plans for his engagement and future marriage. His family held a service in front of their home in Bursa on Wednesday before the funeral moved to the mosque. Uzbek national Uborjan Ustabayev, 22, was a trader who frequently visited the country to buy wares to sell back home. Ustabayev had arrived at Istanbul's Ataturk International Airport Tuesday night with $12,000 worth of textiles when he was caught up in the, de in the deadly suicide bombing attacks. Close friend Kamal Han said that he had spoken by phone with Ustabayev shortly after the attacks. He loved Turkey and had many dreams, Han told the state-run Anatolia news agency. Terrorism destroyed both those dreams and his love of Turkey. Uh, Kaglayan Cole, 26, began working at Atatürk International Airport's ground services in 2014. He was killed as he waited for the bus to take him home. After studying biology at Oz Mangazi University in the northwestern province of Ekishir, Cole uh, had moved to Istanbul. But his frequent visits to his village were remembered by everyone back home. Kaglayan was beloved by all. Bas Basanyar, um, excuse me, Baspinar village administrator Kazum Korkmaz told state-run Anatolia news agency. Cole would frequently comment on social media about his patriotism. One such tweet read, while my head might generally be volatile, my blood is not. Sure, I might occasionally have emotional ups and downs, but my heart has belonged to my country ever since my father first thought of me. His friends took to social media to commemorate Cole and condemn the terrorist attack. Could this really be happening? He was just making a living, wrote Sirkan Osman. And I'll read one more. Uh, two days after the attack, Saudi Arabia says that, subsequ that subsequent checks on its citizens show that three Saudis were killed in the attack on Istanbul's international airport after early reporting that six Saudis had been killed. Saudi Arabia's consulate in Istanbul said Thursday that four of the six originally thought to be Saudi citizens were passengers on a Saudi Airlines flight, but turned out to be Afghan and Turkish passport holders. They also said that another Saudi who had been wounded in the attack had since died. Saudi authorities did not name the Saudi victims. And uh, Fathi Bayudith, um, Bayudith uh, was struck down by the attacks while apparently attending to family business. Quoting security sources in Tunis and Ankara, the Tunisian publication Business News said that Tunisian military doctor was in Istanbul to meet his son, who had joined the Islamic State extremist group in Syria and had been seen in the, in the conflict zone. His family, with the help of Tunisian intelligence, convinced him to leave the group and return home via Istanbul, said the publication. The son, in his 20s, was arrested by Turkish authorities for extradition to Tunis, it reported. The Tunisian Foreign Ministry confirmed the death of Bayouth, head of the pediatric service of the Tunisian military hospital. But officials would not elaborate, saying details were personal and additional information had to come from the family.
welcome back. That was some more music from the film Major, and that's music from Star Amarasu, who's an amazing singer. And you can also find some of Star's music if you type in Star's name, and the last name is Amarasu. That's A M E R A S U. So please do check out some more of Star's music. Uh, so next up, um, so I've received some news from friends in the UK, and first of all, I was going to play a clip of a, a British rapper named Akala, who was talking about racism within the UK, and one can certainly see the similarities between the racism there, as well as in the US, as well as the differences. So I was going to play that for some folks, and then go into some more uh, first-hand uh, reactions from folks in the UK. I think that when we talk about race, we tend to focus on individual acts of prejudice, which is why UKIP often come up, because they will overtly say stuff that we find offensive. But unfortunately, the issue of race, if we understand it, is a lot more insidious. And it takes a lot more of a historical view to understand the difference between individual bias and structural racism and privilege. And the idea of Great Britain was intimately tied to the fact that Britons invaded almost every country on the earth, literally. No, literally, there's a map, you can, you can Google it. And so the idea of our greatness was intimately tied to this idea of empire, which was intimately tied to what Rajard Kipling calls the white man's burden to go and civilize all these stupid brown folks that have been writing and having civilizations for thousands of years, but let's forget all of that. And so if we fast forward to today, when we talk about structural racism in Britain, do we have the same institutional disparities in rates of imprisonment that they have in America? Yes, absolutely we do. Do we have the same disparities in terms of who's dying in police custody? Yes, indeed we do. In 2011, we were told we loved Libyans so much we wanted to bomb democracy into them. Five, less than five years later, we're leaving people fleeing the same conflict to drown in the sea while giving a woman space in a national newspaper to refer to them as cockroaches. Mm. And when you refer to humans as cockroaches, that is a mandate for murder. Let's be clear about that. The moment human beings become non-human, that is a mandate for murder, and there's a long historical parallel of that. Today, Germany, the country that bombed this country, you know, in our grandparents' lifetimes, so theoretically the grandchildren of Nazis, can get in and out of England easier than the grandchildren of people from the Commonwealth who fought against the Nazis. And where do they come from? When we talk about immigrants, do we mean people from Australia and New Zealand? Didn't Boris Johnson go to Australia and say, hey, we're culturally the same? Was he talking about the Aborigines when he said we, that? We call them expats. Right. White people them. have such a different way of classifying themselves that white immigrants are expats yeah. and non-white immigrants are immigrants. So when we say immigrants, if we go to border control, we can go there, Yarlswood, and we go and look at what, who's there. It's not a bunch of white people from New Zealand. Um, so we have structural forms of privilege and bias that are much more insidious and much more difficult to overcome. Um, the reaction to Africans and Asians coming here post-World War II, to rebuild the country after the Queen's German cousins bombed it, the reaction to them was one of general hatred. It's illogical. These people who had formerly been colonized by Britain had fought in both world wars. India gave 2.5 million volunteers, for those who don't know. When we talk about being saved by America in the war, we want to talk about being saved by India and Russia. That would be a bit more accurate. But that's a bit inconvenient. But the reaction to those people and their descendants has been one that is about structural bias and privilege. The greatest metaphor for this might be Canary Wharf and Tower Hamlets. If you look at that predominantly Bengali community that has to look at Canary Wharf every day, how many of those people work in Canary Wharf other than to clean toilets? I, I only got into that through Grime. So the first thing, yeah. I'm listening to Grime records and they're, they're all rapping about E14. Yeah. And I'm going, where's that? And I'm like, Canary Wharf? Yeah, they're What's definitely not rapping about Canary Wharf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose what I'm saying is not about saying that there is, there's bias and bigotry everywhere in the world. The country my grandparents come from, they it's pretty much generally accepted that they don't like gay people. But what's interesting, race even plays a role in that. In Jamaica, we have disgraceful homophobia. No one ever says it's because of Christian fundamentalism. Because even though it is justified in explicitly Christian fundamentalist terms, because only Muslims do bad stuff because of their religion. Because we know almost all the Muslims in the world are brown. Whereas when a German wings pilot crashes and kills 150 people deliberately, or the man in Norway killed nearly 90 people. I was in Australia when that happened. This is how uniform the agreement is that white people will be portrayed differently. The Australian media referred to Andres Brevik as having terrorist-like tactics. Yeah. I mean, to think about that. Yeah. This guy killed almost 100 people, and he's just almost a terrorist. And he'd written a crazy thing about Muslims. Oh, it's very clear. I mean, he was a terrorist by, yeah. by any standard. The idea that white is right isn't just a European idea. It's an idea that has had insidious implications, because no matter what, the 700 people that were left to drown off the coast of the Mediterranean, were they white human beings, they wouldn't have been left to drown. And they certainly wouldn't be called cockroaches. Well, 
Okay, so again, that was a British rapper named Akala, and uh, thanks to our friend Aisha Leopard for posting that and sharing that. So uh, Aisha and I were messaging each other shortly after the Brexit vote happened and wanted to uh, read a little bit of what Aisha shared with me. Um, just to get a better sense for folks of us here in the States as to what's happening uh, overseas. So um, so she says that she's a, she's a scientist. I'm just reading uh, verbatim what, what she's written. Uh, she's a scientist, and they get a net profit of three uh, billion uh, pounds from the EU funding. And this, of course, would, would be changed uh, with uh, England leaving the, the EU. And it's a blow to cancer research, to all research, and uh, <laughs> that the British public are uh, morons, xenophobic, uneducated morons. Uh, 75% of young people voted to stay, while 60% of old people voted to leave, and the old have royally fucked the young, educated masses. And um, I mentioned that this kind of seems similar to some thinking here in the U.S. And... Um, I used to mention that uh, Scotland, uh, they're already starting a new referendum to leave Britain, and there is talk of Northern Ireland doing the same. Uh, Britain is divided due to racist, far-right old fascists, and uh, she, says you can't, she says, I can't tell you how the youth of England feel. Um, so many of us are getting drunk. Boris Johnson is now going to be the new prime minister. He is a joke. And he's Donald Trump part two. England is worthless now. We've already dropped 19% on the FTSE uh, 100 stocks. And the pound is worth uh, is worth its lowest value since 1985. And this is a, we had this conversation on, on June 24th, just to give you a timeline of when this happened. Uh, and if you wanted to visit the UK, it's at least 10% cheaper for you right now. Um, my friend is in training to be a social worker, and the EU gives lots of disability funding and rights. And the conservative government has opposed LGBT rights, and now they are in full control with no EU to straighten them out. The EU introduced GMO regulation, environmental rights, uh, really good maternity pay, paternity pay, workers' rights, women's rights. Uh, we have four weeks minimum paid vacation due to the EU. Uh, we have clean beaches, water, less pollution, green energy funding, but that doesn't matter to 52% of the population. Um, uh, who wants to be a far-right nationalist country. Um, and a lot of people voted to leave the EU to stop immigration uh, because they're xenophobic. And coming from the, the daughter of an immigrant, that's extremely painful to hear. Um, and... Um, so... Um, oh, yes. Also, thousands of U.K. citizens are already looking into acquiring an Irish passport. And the youth feel like they've been betrayed. Um, yes. So this is uh, recognized reading this now in the just kind of picking out the, the comments in the in the conversation might seem a little bit uh, out of sorts in a little uh, in ways. I, I really wanted to um, just get the message across from someone who's there. What's what's happening, what folks are going through. And a lot of folks have said this is kind of similar to what would happen if, if I won't even say his name, but the evil Republican candidate, if he were elected, something similar where a lot of people would feel betrayed and the impact it would have on environmental and social uh, issues here, not even issues, but just people, the people on the planet, if folks who are far right get their way. And as a warning, um, just as a warning. So again, thank you to Aisha Leopard. I hope I, I realize I can't do your words quite uh, justice, but I really wanted to share what you had to say and get the message across because it really struck me. And I think there's this idea of kind of going back to the, one of the first stories talking about when folks get upset and emotional and sometimes politicians like, oh, you're being emotional. And to, to say that there's not logic behind the emotion is, is really... I, I feel like that. I feel like that's an attack, and it's really important to understand why folks are feeling the way they're feeling, and to understand the repercussions of these decisions that happen on the, in the political sphere, both uh, locally and globally. So with that, I, I heard a song. Uh, I'll be. Oh, there's a couple more stories I'll get into before the end of the program. One is about the um, anti-fascists going in to disrupt a white supremacist rally in Sacramento, which also occurred during Pride Weekend, and then I'll end on some positive. Um, and there were some positive things that came from that, of course, uh, stopping white supremacists from marching. 
um, although many folks were injured. Um, actually, I'll go into that right now since I'm talking about it. So a lot of folks are not aware of this, and I only, f- I mean, it's this thing where it's like through word of mouth, I was talking to Ronaldo about this, like we only find out about certain things through word of mouth and through, through friends, and if I hadn't been connected to certain people, I would have had no idea that this was actually happening. So I'm going to read a page, there's a fundraising page, so uh, in summary, there were uh, white supremacists who were trying to gather in Sacramento, and anti-fascists, um, many, like over 400 people decided to combat them and to stop them from marching in Sacramento. And so there is a website called itsgoingdown.org. I really want to um, have folks check that out. So this came came out on this article is on June 27th, and it's how to support those injured in the hashtag no Nazis in SAC shutdown. And... Again, it's fun. Uh, you can call it. It's going down. On Sunday, June 26th, over 500 anti-fascists converged at the Sacramento State Capitol to shut down the Golden State Skinheads, GSS, who were representing for the traditional worker party in the TWP. Members of other neo-Nazi groups were largely no-shows, although two members of Blood and Honor were in attendance and were quickly left behind by GSS and were promptly ejected. A live streamer, reporter for fascist media outlet Red Ice Creations, was also sneaking around the Capitol. The stream was shut down and they were showed a quick exit. Matthew Heimbach, leader of the TWP, was noticeably not in attendance and instead sat at home on his computer and made commentary over the live stream and declared victory while his troops were running to their cars. While a much more in-depth and bigger report is sure to come soon, what can be said in short, excuse me, is that after having almost two months to build for a large mobilization, the neo-Nazis and white nationalists could only muster about 15 to 20 people on their side. For anti-fascists, working between crews, organizations, and cities, we manifested a massive turnout in about half the time. The crowd was racially and politically political, political diverse, and politically diverse, and had a strong showing of militant queer and trans people. There was also a large turnout of poor and working-class whites, as well as punk rockers and traditional anti-racist skinheads, who also threw the fuck down. The crowd was militant and dedicated to shutting down the rally while doing an amazing job of taking care of each other. Folks on the street after the clashes shook people's hands and commented the black bloc for acting with courage and bravery. The neo-Nazis were not able to march, and they did not have a rally. They were total failures. GSS couldn't have made it through the front, so they couldn't make it through the front, so they snuck around the back before being ejected. Everyone from GSS to fascist media outlet Red Ice Radio, the two unaffiliated white supremacists were shut down. GSS acted from a place from a from a place of desperation. Anti-fascists operated from a place of strength. Antifa had shut down all their other options and minimized what they could do, and after being confronted, they quickly ran to their cars several blocks away and sped off. While the crowd accomplished what it set out to do, it came at a high cost. In the confrontation, several people, several people suffered stab wounds and other trauma. Many of the injured were fighting to break free from class, gender, and racial oppression that shape the American colonialist reality. Here are the list of ways that people can help. And again, you can find this at uh, itsgoingdown.org. One, donate to the medical fund. If you can, please donate to the bail and medical fund. Anything helps, and you can also share the link on social media. You can go there at https colon forward slash forward slash rally.org slash June 26th. Again, that's https colon slash slash rally.org slash June 26th. Two, throw a benefit. Several groups are already planning benefit events in several locations. Host an event, discussion, or party to raise funds. Welcome to Leaf is now on Netflix if you are looking for an excellent film to show. We also recommend getting in contact with a local anti-fascist speaker or holding a discussion about how these struggles are linked to what is happening in your area. Number three, drop a banner or hold a rally. Drop a banner in a public place, take a picture, or send or and send in report to itsgoingdown.org. Hold a rally or demonstration, hand out flyers, and talk with people about how what happened in Sacramento was a victory against fascism and white supremacy and why we should support the people that were injured fighting. These acts of solidarity with help will help uh, build people's spirits and show that our struggles are connected. Four, send a card of support. 
Want to send a message to anti-fascists who are dealing with injuries? You can send messages of support to Sacramento Prisoner Support, P.O. Box 163126, Sacramento, California, 95816. And I will read that again if you'd like to write that down so you can send a message. And again, that's to Sacramento Prisoner Support, P.O. Box 163126, Sacramento, California, 95816. Number five, take action against fascism in your area. Organize, confront, and combat fascism and white nationalism in your area. Let us build from this mobilization and sweep the fascists off the streets. No parasan. No pasaron. Excuse me. Number six, Print out and put up solidarity posters, and they have a link to posters uh, on the page. Uh, you, you can download the posters and place them around where you live, work, or go to school. Take pictures and send them to itsgoingdown.org. And the posters say, solidarity with the anti-fascist combatants. Uh, yes, so again, you can find all this information again at itsgoingdown.org, and a big thank you to all the comrades out there who were uh, speaking up and doing their part. And I'm going to look for a clip. There was someone who, a teacher there who uh, was, was injured, and, and she was interviewed, and I wanted to play a clip. She was uh, interviewed in the news, so I'm going to look for that. In the meantime, this song came up, and it kind of really matched what was happening, what is happening in England, and it's from a while ago. It was happening. This album is from uh, Block Party, and it's a weekend in the city, and it kind of deals with the idea of like xenophobia and uh, that we talked about on the show, and it's called Hunting for Witches.
Okay, so that was Block Party with Hunting for Witches. All right, we're running low on time, so I'm going to get to the other articles real quick. Uh, first of all, I wanted to end on a positive note. Uh, so from Narrow Pro-Choice, Texas, uh, the statement on the SCOTUS ruling striking down the clinic shutdown law. On Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court issued a historic ruling striking down provisions of a Texas law that would have forced all but nine abortion clinics in the state to close. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Texas clinics in Whole Women's Health versus Hellerstedt. Uh, Heather Busby, executive director of Narrow Pro-Choice Texas, made the following statement in response to the Supreme Court ruling. Today's Supreme Court ruling is a victory for Texans' he- uh, health and safety. This decision means that the remaining abortion clinics in Texas won't have to close their doors and paves the way for other clinics to open to meet the needs of underserved communities across the state. This landmark decision continues the powerful momentum for reproductive rights and against political in- interference. In our right to safe legal abortion, the fight to protect abortion access does not end today. This is just the first step in demand dismantling laws that make it harder for people to access the health care they need. Excellent. And then next we have uh, another positive uh, spin story from the Supreme Court. This comes from Mother Jones. Supreme Court says no to guns for domestic batterers. On the last day of the term, the high court rejects domestic abusers' attempt to avoid a gun prosecution. You can find this at motherjones.com. Or, yeah, motherjones.com. It's written by Stephanie uh, Mentzimer, and this came out on June 27th. Uh, Should domestic abusers who get convicted of minor domestic violence charges get to keep their right to own guns just because their crimes were merely reckless as opposed to premeditated? That's more or less the question the Supreme Court was considering in of Wasin versus U.S., a somewhat obscure case that was languishing on the court's docket as one of the last cases decided of the term. In a 6-2 opinion written by Justice Elena Kagan, the high court answered that question with a muted no. The case challenges a 1996 amendment to the Federal Gun Control Act sponsored and named after the late New Jersey Senator Frank Lautenberg that barred people convicted of misdemeanor domestic violence offenses. <clears throat> from owning firearms, violating the law, carried a federal felony charge with a 10-year maximum sentence attached. The law was a triumph for women's advocates because it recognized that people guilty of domestic violence were rarely charged with felonies and banned from gun ownership, and that there, were a docu- that there was a documented relationship between domestic violence and gun homicides. The law was designed to keep guns out of the hands of those perps, and even when they'd only been convicted of misdemeanors. Over the past 10 years, the gun lobby and some criminal defense groups have come have made a fairly concerted attack on the Lautenberg Amendment on various fronts to weaken its reach and to try to return gun rights to batterers. Voisin is the first is a third such case the court has heard since 2009. The latest defendants to take on the law are Stephen Voisin and William Armstrong III, neither of whom are model citizens. Voisin has a long track record of beating up his significant others. He pleaded guilty to assaulting his girlfriend in 2003 and was convicted again of assaulting a girlfriend in 2005. After receiving an anonymous tip, federal authorities discovered that Voisin had shot and killed a bald baby eagle. They confronted Voisin about the shooting, and he turned over a rifle. During a background check, federal authorities discovered his 2003 domestic assault conviction. In 2011, he was prosecuted both for killing an endangered bird and for illegally possessing a gun after his prior domestic violence conviction. He pleaded guilty but reserved his right to appeal and was sentenced to a year and a day in prison. His co-plaintiff Armstrong, who was also from Maine, was convicted in 2002 and 2008 on a misdemeanor domestic assault charges for beating his wife. Two years later, Maine police discovered six guns in his possession when they searched his house for marijuana and drug paraphernalia. He subsequently was charged with illegal gun possession and sentenced to three years probation. The lower courts have consistently upheld their convictions, but the Supreme Court vacated the sentences in 2014 and sent them back to the First Circuit Court of Appeals for reconsideration to ensure that the crimes for which Armstrong and Voisin had been prosecuted were misdemeanor domestic violence offenses as defined by the federal law. States can choose how to define a crime, and in Maine, the state law defined a misdemeanor domestic violence offense as one that included crimes committed in the heat of passion, i.e. reckless actions, as opposed to premeditated ones, which are considered more serious. Um, Okay, 
so I'm just going to get down to the very, uh, there was much more in the article that I wanted to share, but we're running low on time, so I'm just going to read the last part of it and then get to the final clip. Uh, enacting the Lautenberg Amendment, Thomas writes, Congress was not worried about a husband dropping a plate on his wife's foot. Congress was worried that the family members were abusing other family members through acts of violence and keeping their guns by pleading down to misdemeanors. He argues that exempting people convicted of reckless batteries that did not include the int intentional use of force, the husband who hits his wife with a plate because it slipped out of his soapy hands would serve Congress's intended purpose, but instead the majority had gone too far and had ensured that a parent who has a car accident because he sent a text message while driving can lose his right to bear arms forever if his wife or child suffers the slightest injury from the crash. Sotomayor agreed with Thomas's analysis of the soapy-handed husband dilemma, but declined to sign on to his Second Amendment tirade in which he invade against the majority for agreeing to allow a single minor reckless assault to deprive a citizen of an enshrined constitutional right to own guns. We treat no other constitutional right so cavalierly, he concluded. All right. So there's quite a lot more happening. And one thing that happened uh, July 1st today, now it's officially okay or uh, acceptable, legal, whatever words you want to use, for trans folks to serve openly in the military. Now, I've met a lot of trans folks who are vets and who do serve in the military. And there's a part of me that's, I want to, everyone should be able to be open as possible. Um, and then there's the part of me that's very anti-military and this idea of, uh, <sighs> Perhaps it can be best, best expressed. This is a clip I wanted to play a few weeks ago. Uh, we lost Muhammad Ali a few weeks ago. And when talking about why he didn't want to fight in Vietnam, said quite a few things about how he was treated in this country. And Sarah Maywalt, another shout out, uh, lovely trans comedian in New York, kind of mentioned the same thing. Like, oh, why, why fight for a country that doesn't respect me at home? So with that, um, stay tuned. We'll be playing a, an older episode of Women's Magazine with Global Val. And yeah, we're listening to Mutiny Radio. This is Roman, and I'll be back next week. ...by a knockout in the seventh round. Immediately thereafter, he walked into the teeth of a monumental decision. He was drafted, and then he refused induction on the grounds of his religious convictions on war. My conscience won't let me go shoot my brother or uh, some darker people or uh, some poor hungry people in the mud for big powerful America and shoot them for what? They never called me nigger. They never lynched me. They never put no dogs on me. They never robbed me of my nationality, raped and killed my mother and father. What am I going to shoot them for what? How can I go shoot them? Them little poor little black people, little babies and children and women. How can I shoot them poor people? I would just take me to jail. While fighting imprisonment for his stand, Ali was also stripped of his title, denied a license to fight in the United States, and denied a visa to go overseas to fight. He was in a much tighter financial bind than most were aware of. I don't want to see the World Heavy Champion driving a Volkswagen, guys in the Cadillacs and making fun of you. So I'm working the day of hauling, right? I'm more... <laughs> <laughs> and so I had one day I had a speaker, Canisius, heard of Canisius? Canisius, Ferdinand Dickinson, C.W. Post. Three colleges and 